Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, your home for inspiration and encouragement from missionaries around the world. Join us each week to hear what God is doing and to learn how you can be involved wherever you are in whatever God has called you to do. Whether you're a full-time missionary or are called into the marketplace, you have a home here. We're all in this together. All right, let's get started. I'm really happy to have Pebbles Thompson on the line today. Pebbles is the founder of Project Ignite Light, a nonprofit organization that provides bags of hope for children of extreme child abuse throughout North Dakota and even into Minnesota. Their work is extremely meaningful to the children whose lives they impact. Through practical gifts of toiletries and clothing, they let children know that they are loved and, most importantly, not mistakes. In her own words, Pebbles hates that she's needed, but is glad that she can be there sharing light in the darkness of child abuse. Okay, Pebbles, I've given a little introduction. Now why don't you take a minute and tell us about yourself and your ministry. We want to get to know you personally. Well, we um, were youth pastors for about five years, and then we decided that the Lord was kind of showing us a different direction, but we really didn't know what it meant. We just knew it had something to do with pajamas. And that absolutely made no sense to us. And um, we just began praying about it. And we really felt like we were supposed to step down. And we we didn't hear anything for a year. And when the Lord does that to you, you begin to question if you heard right at all. And so I really did. I began to doubt if I had made the right choice with stepping down because I loved my church and I loved the youth that I was working with. And I began buying pajamas a lot of times for my own kids because I didn't know where else to put them. And my husband said, Pebbles, you need to stop. We need to figure this out. They're good. They're covered. And um, I pray a lot in the shower because I'm a mom of four. And so I just have 10 minutes alone uninterrupted in there. And as I was praying, I felt the Lord speak one day and said, Pebbles, you're missing the point. It's not about the pajamas. It's about what they represent. And in those dark times, late at night, when they're afraid, I will be their light. And I have flashes of abused kids. I call it my burning bush moment. It was just radically changed the way that I view people and the way that I view ministry. And I got out of the shower and I ran down the hall and I told Darren everything I felt like the Lord was laying out for me that day. And then the next two days, every time I got into the shower, I get a new piece to the puzzle and I go running down the hall and I would say, okay, Darren, we're going to call this person. We're going to do this. And at the end of the third day, he just said, Pebbles, you're going to have to quit showering. This is just too big for us. We can't do this. This is just crazy. Um, But we stepped out in faith. And what we learned over the course of that next week was that in the state of North Dakota alone, 3,583 children were seen for physical abuse, sexual abuse, and neglect. 
That number went up to 4,010 the next year and steadily climbs each additional year. At Project Ignite Light, we believe one is too many. And as we began to find out what the children go through, we learned about what's called a child advocacy center. And then children, when they're removed from their home, they're taken to their nearest advocacy center. Every state has them. There's about 800 in the nation. Uh, North Dakota has four. So children are taken to their nearest advocacy center and then they're, they go through a medical exam. They're stripped down, they're photographed, all their wounds are documented. And then they're led into another room where they give an interview. And as we were sitting and listening to what these children go through, the nurse on staff said, unfortunately, due to some of the abuse, we have to confiscate their clothing as evidence. And um, as a parent, I was just very alarmed by that. And I said, well, what happens if you take their clothing? What are they leaving the building in? What do they go into foster care wearing? And she said, well, we just kind of scramble as a staff. And if we can't find anything, we send them home in a hospital gown. And we just felt like that added to the humiliation of a difficult day. And we said no child in the state of North Dakota should ever go through um, this process being sent home in a hospital gown ever again. And so we began to put together what we call a bag of hope or a backpack full of essential items, but basically things that we would pack for our own children to spend the night away from home. Thanks, Pebbles, for sharing that. Now that we know you a little and what's going on with you, can you share a scripture or a motivational quote that's really been meaningful to you and then share how that scripture or quote has really shaped your behavior? You know, I have two that I um, constantly go back to. One is Ephesians three seventeen through 21, and it talks about first understanding how high, wide, long, and deep God's love is for you and being rooted in that. But then it continues to go on talking about the power of Christ and how he is able to do so much more than we ever dreamed or imagined. And I think it's just profound because I am a big thinker, I'm a big dreamer, and I have a lot of big ideas. And so for me to comprehend that God is able to do so much more than what I even think of or dream of is really phenomenal for me, um, mind-blowing. And then my second one is Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, which talks about forgetting about the past. Don't even look at that, that God's already doing something new and he's already begun it. And don't you see it? I'm amazed by that because of the things that we get to see in our ministry are really huge, profound. And when I stop to think that the things he's already done is just scratching the surface, that he's already working for us and beginning something new. it really makes me excited for the future. Now, Pebbles, we know that not everybody's life is all just easy and happy. As we get started, we'd like to hear about a time in your journey when you encountered a significant challenge or failure, and then share with us that time when God really came through, maybe when your back was against the wall or you needed a breakthrough and how God came through. You know, in ministry, when you become a professional fundraiser, you're completely reliant on the generosity of other people. And We don't always know how our bills are going to be paid here. And there was a point, it was probably in the summer, we really take a dip in our donations. And we were about $2,000 from not being able to pay our bills. We were $2,000 short for the month. And so my husband and I decided that we were going to fast together and just pray about it and figure out. And I didn't know if there was something that I just wasn't doing. We just prayed about it for a full week. And the day that we were supposed to um, pay all of our bills, we received a check for $3,000. And it was just one of those moments for us where we just really began to see that God 
was going to continue to provide because we're a debt-free ministry and we don't do anything on credit cards. We don't carry a mortgage. Everything we purchase for this ministry, all the inventory that we hand out to children, it's all debt-free. And so for us to be able to sit back and trust that God's going to provide those those huge costs and those huge expenses was really um, a new phase for us, a new level of trust. It, it just um, really kind of rattled us for a while there. And so that was just a summer where I was getting really nervous. It wasn't even a matter of paychecks. It was right down to, I didn't know how I was going to buy inventory for bags that people were requesting. And so to see God not only provide the $2,000 for the bills, but then to go above and beyond and provide that additional thousand was really phenomenal. That's amazing. And now we're going to move to the other end of the spectrum because just like we all have challenges, there are also those times when we have moments of revelation. Would you share with us a time in your journey when that happened, whether it's those uh, those times in the shower or maybe something you haven't talked about yet? Take us back to that moment when God revealed something to you and then share with us what you did to take that and go with it. We had hit, um, at the end of our first year, the numbers for North Dakota are really staggering and we only focus on children of extreme child abuse. And I know that sounds so bizarre because any case should be extreme. But we really only focus on those extreme cases where they come in for, they need a medical exam, they need the interview, everything's forensic evidence that's being collected. And at the end of our first year, we had to help 363 children. And I had known the staggering statistics of the 3,583 kids from the year before. And I just began to cry and I said, Lord, I just feel like I failed you. I, I think you picked the wrong person and you need to find somebody else because I, I came up so short this year. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Pebbles, if you could help one child every single day for the rest of your life, would you be content? And I said, yes. If I could help one kid every day for the rest of my life, I would be content. And he said, Pebbles, you've helped 360 and you've been going 363 days. You've helped one child every day. The way that I began to function in this ministry and how I measured my success, because I was so caught up on numbers that I forgot to see um, that these were real children that we were helping. And so to know that we were helping one child every day was a large eye-opening experience for me. And now coming off our coming into our sixth year, last year we averaged six children a day. And so I know that God is moving and that God is continuing to grow this. And I'm just so thankful that I get to be a part of it. That's truly amazing. How do you deal with the emotional portion of this, knowing that these children have gone through so much? I don't always sleep well at night. And I don't think I always handle the emotional side very well. But at the same time, I think the perfect example would be we had gotten a call one day for from a nurse who was traveling to another city to see a couple of children. And she wanted to know if I could quickly pack her some bags. She said, I'm completely out of this size and I just need some extra bags. Would you mind packing me five bags um, ages seven weeks to seven months old? And I just began to cry. And I couldn't believe that somebody, uh, the most helpless, the brand new, as parents, we just see these stages in the early time. And it's overwhelming to see these little people that God created and entrusted you with. 
And I began to think that somebody could actually hurt their seven-week-old or their seven-month-old, and it wasn't just one. There were five in this one city that she was going to. And I hung up the phone to go pack the bag, and I thought, I don't think I can do this much longer. I don't think I'm strong enough. And I got into our warehouse where we packed bags, and I began packing bags, and it was the most peaceful sense of the Holy Spirit. It just fell in the room, and I just began to understand that we are on the side of health and hope. And before, children were going to be seen whether we were there or not, but now we have an opportunity to be there to be the um, that light in that dark moment. We get the opportunity to show that God cared for them when the people who were supposed to couldn't. And so we have a unique opportunity to help these kids, and it's going to unfortunately be needed whether I'm there or not. And so I get to be on that side of help. And that's about the only thing that keeps me going. Because if God would have laid out five ministries for me and said, Pella, take your pick, I wouldn't have picked this one. This isn't the one that I would have went, yeah, I definitely want to do that. This would have been the one I would have shied away from because I I just know me emotionally that I, I don't think I would have fared very well. But because God is walking us through this and God is the one who is paving the way for this ministry to be here at all, I'm able to do it. And so I'm just trying to remember that we're on the side of hope and not on the side of hurt. Now, Pebbles, we're going to move to the present day. We want to hear about what's going on in your ministry. What's one thing that's really exciting you right now, or maybe one thing that you see coming in the future? You know, we we dream big here. We believe kind of in global domination. And so we have a lot of things that we're excited about. Um, one is our new property that we now have. This um, We just had somebody um, purchase a 40-acre property for us that has a large facility on it that's 42,000 square feet. Our last office was 1,400 square feet. This one's 42,000. And um, we're in here debt-free. And so we know that if God's going to provide a big place, he must have big plans for it. And so we're really excited about um, even just our first event. We just had our first hands-on event where kids came to our property. And so we did a, a party with Disney was our sponsor. And we launched a frozen party for foster kids. And they came out and we were able to um, have some hands-on time with these kids where we could talk to them about how valuable they are and how their past doesn't have to dictate their future. And so that was really exciting. We are creating a training program right now so we can begin to train churches in other states to do what we're doing because we are now, we're personally in North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, and we can't physically pack any more bags or raise enough money to reach all 800 centers in the nation. So we're developing a training program so that we can do that. We're hoping to develop our own pajama line so that every pair of pajamas that we sell, a child of abuse will get their own pair of pajamas. So we have a lot of things in work. It really just comes down to what is God's plan above our own plan. And we're just trusting that he's going to continue to open doors in the directions that we're supposed to go in and that he'll close doors where we're supposed to stop. Because we believe that there's a lot of good ideas and then there's a lot of God ideas. And we want to make sure that we want to be following God ideas, not good ideas. Now, you mentioned before some of the financial challenges that come with being a faith-based or a donation-based organization. I'm sure there are some people who are already supporting missionaries or other organizations, either financially or in prayer, but want to do more. 
if they really wanted to level up their game, what's one thing they could do to encourage or support someone? I think it depends on um, the ministry itself that they're passionate about. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned is ministry is really simple. And so there's a lot of times where we can give to something that we're financially um, moved by or passionate about. And then there's things that we can pray about where we just feel really led to be a prayer support. But sometimes we're missing out on those ministry opportunities that are right next to us. And I'm really passionate now that we have started this about meeting some of the most basic needs for people. So sometimes it's just sitting down with your neighbor for coffee. I've had three different people come to me and say, you know, I have cancer and I just need somebody who can listen. And I went my entire adult life without ever meeting somebody with cancer. So to suddenly have three people, all of a sudden I'm very aware of people who have medical needs and medical bills or even just need flowers sent to their room. We went to visit someone and there were no flowers in her room. And so we were able to send her flowers. Sometimes ministry is so tangible and we want to look at the larger scope of life when God's just saying, sit down and have coffee with someone. And so I think it's just really asking that God would open your eyes and make you aware of the people and the needs around you. As you mentioned that, I was reminded that one of my pastors once said that people will forgive a lot of things, but they won't forgive if you miss them at the hospital, miss them at graduation, and miss them at the birth of their children. And I think, <laughs> I think that's so true. Yeah, so true. And with that, it's time for us to transition to the speed round. This okay. is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us with your amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? It sounds like a plan. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? Um, I wish I would have realized that God's provision is larger than we think, and to just be willing to ask. What's the best advice you've ever received? Build a healthy foundation. You can't expect a house to stand if it's not built on a solid level playing field. And so we uh, build a healthy foundation. Can you give us a picture of what that looks like? You know, for us, we can't begin to teach other people in our ministry or train other states if we don't know what's happening in our own state. If we don't um, first know how to pack a bag, if we don't know why we're putting those bags together Um, for what children, where our target area is, because the foster care system is so large. So we focus specifically on advocacy centers. There's lots of other children in need, but we have to start somewhere and we have limited resources. And so we know that there were a lot of churches who were saying, hey, come help us figure this out. We want to do this in our area. But we knew that we had to kind of hone it and really um, make it work well in a single area before we could be in six areas. And so we we just knew that we needed to build a healthy foundation and then we slowly add as we go. And now the training program is kind of that next step to building the house. You know, it's, it's layer by layer. You can't expect to build the shell until you have a foundation to put it on. What's one meaningful thing that someone did to encourage, support, or help you? I, um, that same summer, when I was really short on finances, and I have a mentor that I call who um, helps me build my foundation, and I called him and I said, I think I'm done. I never became a pastor so that I could be a full-time fundraiser. 
I just want to help people and instead I'm so focused on money and every time I walk into a room I feel like people worry that I'm going to ask them for money and I'm, I'm kind of tired of being that person and he said Pebbles if God called you specifically to only fundraise for Project Ignite Light and you never got to tap another bag you never got to preach another sermon if you could only fundraise for Project Ignite Light is the cause worth it and I sat back and I thought, you know, if I saw a child beaten and abandoned on the side of the street, I would not hesitate to ask somebody for $50 to help that child. And yet, because that child is not sitting right in front of me at that moment, I was ashamed to ask people to give $50. But the truth is, is we are, we're meeting the needs of about 2,400 children a year. And that takes a lot of $50 bills. The cause is worth it. And it encouraged me to help me see that I wasn't asking people for money for myself. I'm asking them to give to a cause, to partner with me, to do something that is greater than ourselves, that we get an opportunity to be the hands of God in action. And why would I ever be ashamed to do that? And so I constantly, as I come up to something where I might be bashful or I may um, lose my boldness, The one thought that constantly comes to mind is if God only called me to be a fundraiser for these kids, is the cause worth it? And it is. Can you share one of your personal habits that you strongly believe contributes to your success? I I think there's the obvious of um, prayer is so important for us. I'm completely reliant on God for prayer. I pray throughout my day, starting in the shower till I go to bed and fall asleep. Um, I just Simply, it's not always a get down and pray on my knees for an hour. I'm too ADHD for that. But just to constantly throughout my day be conscious of how is God working or how is God moving and asking him for guidance and direction is huge. Um, Journaling is really important. There's been studies done on people who actually journal and write down their plans and their goals. And so... Even in the craziness of life, I make sure that I take time to stop and write down my plans and my goals and um, how to accomplish those goals so that I can go back and refer to what um, what are my plans. It helps keep me focused, but also it's fun to go back and see what God has brought forth to from the things that we've written down. So journaling would be a big one. Yeah, journaling has been something that's been very meaningful for me as well. Do you have an internet resource that you use and can share with our listeners? I'm a Google freak, and so I know that sounds bizarre, but my my two things that I'm constantly on the internet for is Google, I think it's the most valuable resource. I can have the smallest question, and that just seems like so bizarre. It's probably not what you're looking for, but I Google everything all day long. And then Bible Gateway is my other one internet resource that I constantly go to. I love BibleGateway.com. It has um, every different style of verse, so as I'm looking to pull together sermons or if I need encouragement, sometimes I'll just sit with one passage and I'll go through the commentary. I'll go through every single style of um, translation that they have for it just to see um, how other people interpret it and um, how God may speak differently through different translations. And so um, Bible Gateway would be my other one. And what book would you recommend for our listeners? Leadership Prayers. It is the easiest book to read through. If you're in leadership, if you have a desire to be in leadership, 
when I first picked up that book, it was actually sent to me by my mentor. Um, I was so amazed how I felt like the author was constantly writing down my thoughts from um, it takes you through just every step from even fundraising and trusting God with your funds to um, how to direct people to even what's it look like if you have to let somebody go and what that means for the team and how to pray. Um, and so I would just take one chapter a week because it's basically two, three pages. Um, I would read it and I would begin to pray about it for an entire week and just focus on that and just do one a week and move through it. And I finished, I've given it out and I would read it again. I may need to start again. Um, but this year's kind of for me focused on leadership. So leadership prayers is huge. Now this last one's a little bit tricky. So if you need to take a minute and think about it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new country where you knew nobody. You still had all of your experience and all of your knowledge and your family's there with you. Your food and shelter are covered, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What do you do in the next seven days? Well, I, it would depend. If I were in a third world impoverished country, that would look very different from if I was in a tourist type country. If I was in an impoverished country, um, I'd be jumping on Google and I would be finding out what is sustainable business for that area. And then I would invest that $500 probably in land or food or sewing machines. And I would be teaching people um, how to sustain themselves and create a ministry uh, with that $500 because that can go pretty far in some places. Um, so if it's impoverished, I would be researching sustainable and then making moves to set up a ministry there to help people. If it were tourists, I would be Googling uh, one, is there a Disney-type location nearby? Because I'm a Disney dork. And how far is it? And could I get tickets to go see it? Because it's on my bucket list to see them all. Or what are the top five touristy areas? And then I would go take pictures that everybody else has. Because I'm a huge tourist junkie. And I love to have all those pictures that everybody else posts. <laughs> so I, I would be finding out what the top five areas are. Now, Pebbles, we're almost done. Will you share with us one last piece of advice and the best way for us to get in touch with you? Then we'll say goodbye. Um, one last piece of advice would be don't complicate things. It's probably more easy than you realize. Step out in faith and just go after it. Um, so many times I think people are afraid to pursue their dreams because they're worried about failing. And I feel like you're at the same spot uh, either way. If you fail, you know, it's the same as never trying. And if you succeed, well, then it was worth trying. Um, I would say best way to get a hold of us is check out our website at www.ignitelight.org. And you can reach me uh, through there. It has all of our contact info right on that website. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Pebbles. We really appreciate your time and your generosity. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's been fun. That ends our time with Pebbles Thompson of Project Ignite Light. I'm really thankful that we were able to connect and put this together. I'm struck by the clarity she has on what this ministry is about and its value. Her ministry to the practical needs of children is a great reminder that global missions really is global missions, that acts of service and the power of the gospel is just as valid with a neighbor as it is some person on another continent. The important thing is to be close to God and to follow where He leads. Of course, you know that this week's show notes will be at engagingmissions.com slash pebblesthompson. That's P-E-B-B-L-E-S. 
T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. You'll find notes, quotes, and links to all the resources that came up in this week's episode, including the link to the Project Ignite Light website. If you want to get involved with what Pebbles is doing, that'll be the place to do it. If you're looking for a way to ease into involvement in foreign missions, you might consider sponsoring a child through Compassion International. While the financial commitment is small, it is very meaningful. And you'll also have the opportunity to pray for a specific child every day, to write and receive letters, and to learn more about the culture that your sponsored child lives in. My wife and I sponsor a child through Compassion, and it's been great for us. I'm really looking forward to the day that our children can understand what we're doing so that they can carry God's compassion for others in their hearts. Visit engagingmissions.com compassion to find out more. Do you ever feel like your mobile phone is taking the life out of your life? That maybe it's more of a distraction than an asset or a tool? Well, I think that you can take that tool back. I think that it can provide great spaces for you to connect with God if you know how to use it. That's why I put together the Quiet Time on the Go resource guide so that you can take back your technology. In this two-page download, you'll learn the three resources that I use almost every day that turn my iPhone into a mobile sanctuary. Find out more at engagingmissions.com technology. Finally, I'd like to say thank you. I really appreciate the time that you take out of your week to listen to this show. If this is your first time or you just haven't subscribed in the past, please take a minute to subscribe in iTunes and leave us an honest rating and review. I've got a quick video at engagingmissions.com slash iTunes that'll show you exactly how to do that, and you can link there just from that page. Your feedback can help make this show better and help us get into the hands and ears of more people. It really helps more than you know. And if you do leave a rating and review, please be sure to grab a screenshot of yourself leaving that review and email it to me. You can email it to ratings at engagingmissions.com. I'll make sure that it's featured on our ratings Pinterest board and on the website. Thanks so much for joining us for the Engaging Missions radio show. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.